Welcome to Gears Action Growth, shifting business culture one conversation at a time. My name is Christy Mori, and I usually join Dr. Josephine Palermo, whose superpower is to create business cultures that transform organizations team by team. But today, I have the absolute privilege of chatting to my friend Natalie Dimbleby, COO of media and lifestyle brand Roots of Fight. Hope you get value from it. Hey everybody, are we all in for a real treat today? Seriously, it's difficult to describe Natalie in mere words because she is a real powerhouse in all aspects of her life. She's an incredible daughter and sister to her family, a loving and dynamic mother to her two girls, a supportive and loyal wife to her husband, Mike, and just the best human you could have on your side. Oh, and apart from all this, she just happens to be the COO of Roots of Fight, a media and lifestyle brand that celebrates the improbable achievements of today's most legendary athletes, innovators, and cultural icons. Apart from being featured on Forbes and Yahoo, Roots of Fight has closed arguably the most iconic names of our modern time from being an official clothing line for comedian Kevin Hart and how about Dwayne Rock Johnson, Jay-Z, Beyonce, Rihanna, dot, dot, dot. Yes, she rubs shoulders with many influential people in the world and could rock any carpet and has tons of people vying for her time, but she is all about the hustle and is often humbly hunched over the desktop, leading her busy team or making dinner for her family. It is my privilege and great joy to introduce my friend, Natalie Dimbleby. Nat, how are you? Thank you for being on our podcast today. You are one sought after lady, so I'm really thankful (laughs) for you. Oh, that was so nice, Christy. Thank you. <laughs> it's all true. Voice. Oh, stop. My, it's all my true. head's going to get too big. Good. Um, I was excited that I got to I'd be getting to talk to you today. You know, I've got so many Zooms back to back as we all do now in this the climate that we find ourselves in. And knowing that I was going to be talking to Christy today was <laughs> a highlight of my day, although I'm in Canada and it's, um, you know, one o'clock in the afternoon and you guys are morning um I appreciate the the time difference and and making it work isn't it I mean I get to roll out of bed today and actually just you know set up and think oh apart from you know my husband and my cat not <laughs> is like my person I'm gonna speak to this early so it's very <laughs> very amazing <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, how are things in Vancouver, by the way? Vancouver is where I'm from, as our podcast audience all knows. Yes, it's still as beautiful as ever. Um, you know, we came over here for a year and then just never left. But um, I've been getting into the outdoors um, a lot more these days, which I never used to. If anyone knew me, I was a city slicker and I did not love being in the spacious outdoors. But so many lakes, camping as much as we can. We're in the summertime now. Um, I was actually paddleboarding for the second time this last weekend and wow. I fell in. Um, fell in and hat went flying, glasses went flying, my paddle went flying. The only thing that was attached to me was the board around my ankle um, and I couldn't get back on. I had to yet flag my husband to come out in the kayak to push me back on the board with his paddle. Um, so, you know, but just been enjoying Vancouver and beautiful BC. Yeah, because you're originally from New Zealand, mm-hmm. as people can hear. I know it's similar, right? To VC. Somewhat. Uh, the mountains are a little bit smaller. Um, the people are super friendly in New Zealand. I, I miss our culture and our home, but I've definitely just 
found another home here um and yeah it's 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 stunning it's hard to hard to beat bc i i agree i agree and, and no no offense to melbourne melbourne has some <laughs> amazing yeah melbourne yeah. as a city i think is one of the nice beaches like with the sand so nice yeah, true true we are in winter right now so melbourne actually has winters so like and it's cold like we have our heater on i have an udi on which is like a big blanket here in no, australia i've never heard of that i've never i thought it was a cult when i saw people wearing yeah. it Sounds, it just looks so bizarre. bizarre like it's just this hoodie that goes past your knees and udi is not our sponsor everybody <laughs> so i mean if they want to reach out to us that's great because i have another one coming so I was like, I could totally take those camping. I didn't know what it was. I was like, look at Christy with her Australian <laughs> slang going on. And yeah, not, hardly, hardly. Um, <laughs> so today we'll be chatting about entrepreneurship. And yeah, we'll, we'll ask now if we could start with your journey from being from New Zealand, as we mentioned, and then being in the automotive industry is where you sort of started. And then your move to Vancouver and how you became part of Roots of Fight. Can we start there? We can start there. Um, the start of my journey being in New Zealand and in the automotive industry. I wanted to be a car mechanic, which not a lot of people know that about me. Um, and I was determined to be a car mechanic. I um, loved everything to do with cars, how fast they were, the sound of the engines, what drove them. I liked everything. And so I actually wanted to be a car mechanic. Um, so left school to go and jumped into the automotive industry until um, my boss at the time was like, you know what, Nat, we love you, but um, you know, you're going to really find that difficult because you're lifting these heavy wheels all the time. You need certain muscle power and strength for you know trying to get these wheels off the car and brake pads and and all of that and at the time I was incredibly offended um but then I realized you know he's got daughters he wasn't trying to be sexist or say that I I, I can't do it he was just saying that he wouldn't encourage it for me and so it actually sent me into a bit of a different career path where I moved as far as I could in that organization um and it got to a point where I just wanted a change you know like I I was in corporate I was wearing suits every day a far cry from my my overalls that I loved wearing and my my blue dreads I cleaned up and got changed into um, work suits and I just needed a change and I called my husband up one time from the driveway of where we were working I said honey I think we should go somewhere else to live what do you think mm-hmm. and he was on the phone he was like okay uh, where were you thinking and I was like Canada and he was like, okay, um, let's talk about this when we get home. So I got home and he's like, well, what are we going to do about the car? I'm like, we'll sell it. What are we going to do about the house? We'll rent it out. What about the dog? I can go to family. We really need to go for 12 months. And, uh, you know, six months later, as we had tickets, we did everything we said we were going to do by renting out and letting, letting our beautiful Rhodesian Ridgeback um, go to family and you know, did everything from A to Z and came to Vancouver, but it was during the recession in in 2009, February, 2009. Um, So, you know, everyone's on their last jobs. Uh, My husband's in construction, so he's trying to find um, work for himself, but everyone's 
on their last high-rise job or their last little renovation that they're doing and everyone's looking for work. And we, we had planned, um, before we had left, my husband actually landed a job over here so that we could come to Canada with a job lined up so we could keep paying our mortgage back home because uh, we still need to top up a little bit. But um, when we got here, that job actually fell through and I was going to take my time looking for work. I was a little bit, not burnt out, but just tired. Um, and all of a sudden we were both looking for work because the developer um, had, the developer um, that it was going to be hiring my husband had to pull the pin on the job, which meant he couldn't bring Mike on, which meant he didn't have work. So now I needed to find work. And so we were scrambling and I jumped into retail as fast as I could. Um, never done that before, but it was really difficult to, to land work over here um, at that time. And my husband was struggling to find work. We were now without, he was a builder without a vehicle, without, you know, with tools, without tools. Um, I was trying to find work, but no one wanted to call you New Zealand references. It was such a challenge. We're on work permits, just the whole ordeal. Um, but landed in retail and then a girl there in retail, you know, I'd worked there for a few years and she actually had, had mutual friends and I found Roots of Fight and um, I loved it immediately. I remember my partner, who's my boss at the time, he was saying, look, the, the golden thread to what we do is art. And here I come with an interest in cars and trucks and, and everything fast. And now we're talking about creative and art. And I suddenly found my heart just connecting to that piece and realized that actually I like being creative and I like being connected to this vein. Um, so I was hooked straight away and I started just tiptoeing my way through uh, Roots of Fight. I was a receptionist and then someone left in production and I was like, I can do that too. And then someone left in licensing. And I was like, I can do that too. And before you know it, I'm doing all of these roles, wearing multiple hats, which naturally was operations. And, uh, you know, we just kept refining. And when I had my, my, my eldest daughter, Ruby May, um, I became a partner in the company and never looked back since. Wow. So it's really entrepreneurial, whether you liked it or not, your journey mm -hmm. from, you know, it's not like you particularly thought you were going to go into entrepreneurship right away. No. You might have had this desire that, you know, you wanted to create something with your life. So, yeah, you know, like, to be honest, I didn't know that it was in me. I think tapping into something that really triggered my soul sparked an interest and it unlocked something in me that I didn't know that I carried until I was actually activated in that gift. Yeah, that's so, so true. And what is it about like entrepreneurship now that drives you? I think, um, you know, you're carving out a path that typically no one else has taken before, or maybe they've taken it, but it's it's different. Um, so you're always having to think, you're always learning, you're always needing to learn so that you can advance whatever it is that you're doing. And, you know, they always say if everyone was doing it, it would be easy. And I think that's really true. And for me, um, just doing something new every single day, finding new ingredients to work with every single day, making something come to life um, that's bigger than you is, is what's probably the most interesting to me. Yeah, because you're pretty dynamic. So I can imagine you being bored pretty easily, actually. <laughs> so I feel like this path is like the perfect path. Hey, yeah, yeah. And do you have some key qualities that you see that's vital for someone who's pursuing a life of entrepreneurship? Are there actual certain qualities that 
you know, people around you who are entrepreneurs that you see that you think, aha, those are some qualities that um, I need to build up or other people should build up when they're stepping into entrepreneurship? I think it's just having that self-awareness as to what you're getting into. Um, A few people who have spoken to me, they're like, now, you know, I'm thinking about launching this or opening this or exploring this idea. And the one thing that kind of blindsided me a little bit when I was rolling my sleeves up is it's just a lot of hard work. You know, you're wearing so many hats immediately, legal, finance, and it's not just finance, like bookkeeping and um, remitting and submitting the GST, PST receipts, probably different in Australia, whatever it is, their GST tax receipts. Um, But it's in the year-end financials and learning how to review those, having good accountants, um, providing and supplying and scheduling and following up. But then you're also doing the work as well. And I think sometimes it's it's an easy oversight because you're excited about a certain aspect of the entrepreneurial life. Like I can't wait to make people happy or my service or product is going to do amazing things for, for the world or the, the client this is going towards, but not almost having some, some blind sight there of like, man, you're, I'm going to have to do the bookkeeping. I'm going to have to do the invoicing and then I'm going to have to follow up for payment and then I'm going to have to collect the money. So then I have to deposit it. Wait, do I have a bank account open for this? Do I have a business paper? It's like every ingredient that goes into making a business and it's just you doing it. Um, the good news is, is that you start small and, and you slowly ramp up. So I think having a good idea, surrounding yourself with people who are smarter, perhaps, um, you know, your cheerleaders, encouraging you to keep going, feeling free to be able to ask for help rather than, I guess, feeling like you know it all. Um, I love asking for help. I, I love seeking out those that have paved the way for their companies and learning from them. I listen to a lot of podcasts because I I just love learning like that. And the other thing that I like um, that I feel like would be maybe not vital for someone, but it's something to really consider is having a business partner. It's been key for me. You're sharing in the ups and downs. You're sharing in the responsibilities. You know, you can attack things differently. You get different perspectives. Um, And obviously finding the perfect partner is not just turnkey. For some it is. Um, But I I couldn't think twice now of, of not having a partner, especially now I've done it for the last decade. Yeah, it's been that long. Hey, that's almost <laughs> yeah. as long as I've known you. Almost. No, I, yeah, think, yeah. I think Roots of Fight might have a year up on that relationship, though. <laughs> <laughs> Could well be. It's been a while for sure. Yeah. So you talked about some of these challenges that uh, you personally had in growing a business, whether Roots or another one. And I'm, I'm just thinking about this concept that is overused in terms of work-life balance. What do you think about it, by the way? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is overused and it can be a challenge to implement it. Um, I think pre-kids, I was pretty much working till midnight and I was totally okay with that. We'll just carve out some time for the husband. But since I had children, it it took a a different shape, Um, you know, as a personal level, being a mom, being a wife, fitting in a social life, not that there is much one right now with the the COVID lockdown for the last year, Uh, renovating our home because that's my creative outlet Um, while traveling. I mean, 
I'm trying to, when I go to New York or I go to LA, even though I'm on the West Coast um, here, I try to go for two days. So I get up really early. I do my half day travel and then we're ahead in time zone as well. And then I do all my meetings, go to bed really late, wake up in the morning, cram all my meetings just so I can fly home that next day or an extra day if I go to New York. Most people wouldn't necessarily want to do that because it's so fast. But for me, getting my family time in is so incredibly important that I would you know, really cram my meetings in when I'm traveling so that I can get home and be home longer. And so I think since having children, I've really had to put some serious parameters um, in life down. So I work to a certain point. There's no technology at the dinner table. Um, I'll bath the kids and put them to bed and uh, we'll do our bike rides. When we go camping, we're going to places that are don't have any Wi-Fi. I'm not getting banged up by all the little email notifications. So I really tried hard to work at that um, work-life balance. Um, body, soul, and spirit is, is just really important, keeping your fitness up, keeping healthy. And one thing I think we can all agree on when you're an entrepreneur is that you kind of live and eat your business all day, every day. It can be hard to detach yourself um, from something that you've birthed that becomes your baby. Um, so I've had to really work at um, really breaking up my time and, and remembering that I'm also a mum and my little ones need me. I'm a wife and my husband needs me. And, um, you know, so we've worked on things as a family unit to make sure that there's enough of net to go around. And then I've got my employees that need me and business that needs me. But, you know, you can't just be at one camp. Otherwise, the other areas can fall apart. Yeah, I always wondered, like, how does Nat do all of this? Um, you seem superhuman to me all the time, because <laughs> <laughs> as people know, like, yeah, just adopting our senior kitty, I was like the first month I was honestly like, oh, my gosh, we're <laughs> what's that happening there? Oh, we have to block this. We have to cover the cords. Like I it was like, I was like, how do people with not just one children like yourself, but two children um, or more children and like have a full-time job, do what they do. Honestly, I was like, I, I don't know, but it sounds like what you are good at is like prioritizing and you know where your priorities are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I thrive under the pressure. I love it. I love the hustle. I have a huge capacity. Um, people who know me know that. But I've also got to remember that I'm not superhuman and I get tired too. And I've got to recognize when to have that downtime. And I think I don't do this on my own. I have an incredible supportive husband that um, will come and support me in the times where I'm actually feeling kind of low because it can be lonely running a business, right? Because you're doing it, you're carving out that path and you're so in it every day that um, you can't possibly share every minute of that with everyone or you wouldn't even get anything else done. But I have an incredible supportive husband that's really helped. Um, and then also my mum and my dad, um, nanny and pups, they've come over to support too because my husband runs his business. So we have two businesses going under one roof and to have that um, loving support to help with the, the daily 
operations of a household, of a business, the emotional support has really helped. And, you know, my parents are not going to be here um, for much longer, but the time that they've given us and our grandkids has just been invaluable. And I've learned so much from my dad. And, you know, it's one thing we can do is just because I'm in the lifestyle and media apparel industry and my husband uh, and my dad, my husband's in construction and my dad is in, um, you know, uh, health and safety, there's still so much that we can learn from each other within those industries, that it doesn't have to be specific to what I'm going through, forecasting, inventory, you can, you can really keep learning on big buckets to help grow or advance the position that you're currently in. Yeah. And with your particular industry, and you know, just yours, because I know that <laughs> we could go on forever. But just in your style of industry, did COVID actually maybe help your industry in some way? Because you have mm-hmm. a pretty diverse sort of, um, like you're not just one industry. You're in like media. You're in lifestyle. You're in apparel. Mm-hmm. So all of those industries, I. I have seen reports that some of these industries have actually um, grown exponentially in COVID. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that is your experience. Obviously, there's lots of challenges with that. But would you say that COVID gave you guys the chance to grow in a different way? It did. Um, Actually, we had a plan that we'd kind of put in place um, pre the pandemic And we were concerned come March when it hit here in Canada that we were not going to be able to execute on those plans that we had so um, strategically built. And we definitely went through a roller coaster ride of emotions during the start because it's unknown and you don't know what the store is going to do. But thankfully, you know, we are a direct to consumer um, online platform that sells to the online consumer. So we were just about to break into retail into a wider space. Thankfully, we hadn't activated on that pre-COVID. So it was just the online space. And um, that enabled us to, to reach all our um, consumers. Then we were worried about essential services. And, you know, we had ordered a whole lot of product um, that was supposed to arrive for Q4 December 2019. But due to the pandemic hitting offshore um, in China, um, we couldn't get our fleece. And then when we did get our fleece, it was landing near March and March came along. We're about to going into spring, but now, you know, there was the California lockdown and that's where a lot of our manufacturing and um, fulfillment is is in in California. And that was then shut down. They went into lockdown, but we've got all this fleece stuck at port that we're trying to get our hands on, but then it's fleece and we're going into summer. Um, So we definitely struggled at the start to try to, keep things forward facing amazingly well and then behind the scenes scrambling to almost playing Tetris with our inventory and and how we could actually execute that plan but things really did pick up and who would have thought that sweatsuits would be all the rage during (laughs) lockdown over here in North America sure on the time you know, pants, sweatpants, sweatshirts, pullover hoodies. We couldn't keep them on the shelf. So the fleece that had just arrived was good timing. Then we were stuck with, you know, not having the right colors and um, just the cross-border challenges. Obviously, our operations are here in Canada, but our inventory and suppliers and manufacturers are in the States. So during lockdown, we can't travel nearly as much as we used to. We're dealing with different time zones. Communication styles are different. 
Um, even hiring, like we then had to hire a few people. Most of my employees have been with us for a minimum of five years, trying to hire someone new and having them learn the culture through a digital platform can be really challenging. Um, so I think we did experience significant growth, um, which was amazing. And we were able to execute the plan that we had put out in place pre-COVID. So everything came together on that side of things. But definitely was a was a roller coaster ride for sure. So how, um, yeah, so you t- talked about um, hiring new people and things like that. And you have a pretty loyal team if five years is the minimum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is one of the other questions is how did you, did you choose a lot of your team? Did you mm-hmm. have a huge hand in, did you handpick your team basically? Yes. I did. I do have a, um, a few managers there that have kind of, um, you know, they would take the bulk of the list um, and, and post the ads and things that we need. And then together we would do that process because I know that I can't keep my hands too tight on that process. There's too many other things to do. Mm. Um, and, you know, my, my close peers that I'm working with, my, my leadership group, a lot of them have been there from that five years plus. So they know me now well and I trust them. And so they kind of take a lot of these newbies through the interview process and then just bring me in at the end to um, have, a, I guess, a little bit of a culture check and, and make sure this is going to be a good fit for the company and that these individuals that we're hiring can come on and support the growth of the company. And it's, it's very important for me when I hire people that I can see a little bit of a career path for them. I want everyone in my company to feel like um, their life matters and what they're doing is contributing to the company, but that I'm also wanting to make sure that they are thriving on um, thriving in, in their lane as well and getting the career that they're looking for as well. Because like me, I didn't know I was going to be great at operations. That's what people are telling me. But this is still new to me, even though I've been 10 years because I, I just love multitasking. That's all I know. Um, so a lot of people don't necessarily know what they're going to be good at or how they're going to thrive in different settings. I mean, I would be a car mechanic if I had had my way. And here I am running clothing industry. You know, it's just, I would never have thought that. And I absolutely love what I do. I love going to work and doing my job every single day. I love it. And I'd never had that before. There were certain aspects of a job that I like. Um, But the fact that I'm in something that I love every day, I would love to find that for my employees, for them to want to come to work and do their job because they love it. Wow, it's so good. I was going to ask you for some words of wisdom to impart, but I think that was good. That was good. You don't need, like, I don't even need to need to prompt you. You're so good at talking (laughs) (laughs) and sharing that. Yeah. Um, Wow. So thank you so much, Nat. Like, thank you for that. That is words of wisdom. Um, I really hate to wrap this up because we'd love to keep going and perhaps Natalie may join us in the future if she has time. And always please send us any questions or comments to Josephine at gearforgrowth.biz and check out Roots of Fight. I've been recently on their website and I've been loving their merch. Um, they have some iconic merch, especially for Women's Month in March as all, also. And as always, everyone, thank you and wishing you well this week and take care during the lockdown if you are in Victoria. And we will chat with you soon. Bye for now.